listening to Love, Sex, Business with the Boss Ladies of Detroit. I'm your host, Ayanna Williams-Jones, owner of Twin Resorts, Pedicure and Shoes to Go Day Spa, and Boss Ladies of Detroit Business Consulting. And I'm Naya Marshall. I own Ivy Kitchen and Cocktails, Diamo Development, and Detroit Decontamination. And we're your hosts for the official Boss Ladies of Detroit podcast. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Love, Sex, Business with the Boss Ladies of Detroit. I'm Ayanna Williams-Jones. I'm Naya Marshall. And we got a great episode for you today. So today we have on our Zoom call Miss Kaylin Fahey, which is a, who is a survivor of domestic violence and a human resource professional. Based on her experiences, she's founded the nonprofit organization Sisters Acquiring Financial Empowerment. SAFE, which assists survivors of domestic violence with the appropriate financial tools and resources needed to leave or recover from the economic portion of domestic violence. SAFE's training topics are customized for survivors of domestic violence and include job seeking, resume creation, interview skills, customer service, personal finances, networking, and entrepreneurship. SAFE also has an accomplished background of actively providing economic empowerment and access to community resources to survivors of domestic violence in the metropolitan Detroit, Michigan area since May of 2006. And she is also a sought-out after national speaker regarding economic strategies for survivors of domestic violence, including being selected as a presenter for the Second World Conference of Women's Shelters for over 1,400 delegates from over 83 countries. Kaylin Fahey and Sisters Acquiring Financial Empowerment have received multiple honors and awards, including the National Network to End Domestic Violence since 2009 Spirit of Advocacy Award. She lives currently lives in St. Thomas. I'm like envying that right now because we just got a picture of her view as she's on the uh, Zoom call. And um, I'm like there in spirit and mind. <laughs> <laughs> in addition to continuing to support the work of SAFE in Detroit, she also works for the Virgin Islands Domestic and Sexual Assault Council and continues to advocate for survivors globally. Welcome, Kaylin. Welcome, Kaylin. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate you. Oh, we appreciate you. So tell us more about yourself. Okay. Well, I am married. Just got married five years ago. I'm a mother of two, Erin and Tony. Erin is 26. She's married. I have a two-year-old grandbaby. Um, Tony, she's her first year of college, you know, with COVID, she couldn't go away. We're looking at her, her school, um, went all virtual. Maybe they'll go back in January. And I'm an advocate of the, um, to help survivors of domestic violence. I'm a survivor myself. And that's what is my passion to help, you know, other victims move from victims to survivors to thrivers. Absolutely. That that's inspiring work. Uh, it also is a is is a bit of work that's dark, you know, because it's something that is occurs in the shadows, and people don't actually talk about it. It's something that people are uncomfortable talking about. When I when I read through your brief bio, I just went wow because, you know, being a survivor. How how did you go from being a survivor to being an advocate for for your cause? Woo! So. How I left being a, a, a victim was through the emergency room. I um, 
1998, my oldest daughter's father, uh, it was Labor Day weekend, and he assaulted me after he stayed out all night and did whatever he wanted to do. He came home, and I was just like, I'm done. I'm through. And he assaulted me to the point where he shattered my skull, and he shattered my left eye socket. And um, I had to get the bone removed from my eye and from under that was holding my eye up and replaced with a titanium implant. And so it was a really hard journey, mentally, physically, emotionally, and what people didn't realize was financially. That, that wasn't a thing. So in 1998, let me give you a little context. The Violence Against Women Act was just put into place in 1994. Was it made against the law federally to abuse your spouse or your intimate partner? Because that's what domestic violence we're talking about is intimate partner violence. Sometimes people confuse it with family violence. Okay. And so it was only four years after this law was passed nationally that I had this situation. And so there wasn't a lot of programs and resources and things that were available for me. And so I did connect with the program. I lived in Detroit and I had to go all the way to Taylor to get counseling services for my daughter and I. And I remember my friend driving me to counseling, and I, but I had my own car at the time, and but they just drove my car for me to take me because I couldn't see at the time. And I, was, I had to get all these surgeries and procedures and such. And I remember thinking, how in the world was I supposed to get out here if I didn't have a car? Like, at that moment, I was thinking about, like, other survivors. But I took time. I took a long time. So this was 1998. I didn't actually start safe till 2006. Oh. But during that time, I took care of myself. It was the analogy you hear all the time about put your own mask on first. So I went back to school. I ended up getting a scholarship for, through the Women's Independent Scholarship Program that helped survivors and victims of domestic violence to return back to school. Excellent program. Highly recommended. They helped me with my undergrad and my grad. And if you complete whatever program you set out for, because they'll even help with trade school and stuff or community college or whatever. If you finish whatever program you set out for, they also help my daughter with a scholarship. So the children of survivors also get a scholarship. Anyway, so I go back to school. I start getting a job. I start working my way up through the field, and I end up working in human resources, and I saw how domestic violence affected other survivors, how it affected coworkers, just how it spreads in a small community of a, a job, right? And so it was Honestly, a, it's a long story, but it was a direct word from the Lord that told me to start safe. Wow. And so I, um, I started safe in 2006, and but I had to. I feel like I had to get my, like I had to be in a good place before I could help other people. Because a lot of survivors are like, oh, well, this was this must be the reason why this happened to me, so I can help other people, and maybe. Sure. But that don't mean you have to start helping other people while you're still going through and still trying to rebuild yourself. It's okay to take a moment, self-care, get yourself together. It's much needed. It's, yeah. it's, it's much needed because, you know, hurt people hurt people. So sometimes yeah. you can unintentionally hurt someone else because you're not all the way healed. So that is, that, so that is definitely a, something where you do need to take that time out um, for yourself and, and, and heal. 
Um, and as women, you know, we always want to save the world. We're the nurturers. We're the, you know, we help everybody in our family. We support our neighbors. We help everybody. And that's a good thing. And I'm not saying don't do it, but it's okay to take a pause and get yourself together too. It's okay to, while you're saving the world, to like, okay, let me figure this out. Let me get myself together. And so this is where one of the big things that I've talked about lately is self-compassion, you know, forgiving yourself, giving yourself time to heal, taking care of yourself and not being selfish, but just positioning yourself so that you can be more effective. Sure. Sure. What, what kind of, how did you know you were ready to move on? Because, you know, I, I don't know a lot about the topic, but one of the things that I know that's pervasive is, you know, is the struggle to move on with your life and, like you say, to go from a victim to a survivor and then to someone that is empowering others to be survivors as well. What are some tips that you can, you know, give people who are going through things that you've been through in the past and that would help them move forward or get out of the space that they're in and move forward? I, I, I strongly want to encourage people to do that. I will be the first to admit to, that it's not that easy, right. but it is possible. You know, because I, I can reflect on my own situation. If he didn't try to kill me, if he would have, quote, unquote, just busted my lip or busted me upside the wall or something, I might have forgiven. I can't say what I would have done. My situation was just to the extreme point that, for me, I could not continue in that situation. It immediately, you know, stopped. But in other people's situations, sometimes it's not as, you're not sure. You're just like, well, is this really abuse? Or is, are they just being, like, overly concerned? You know, is it just person just jealous? Is it just because they on drugs? Or they, and so, you know, as a nurturing person, you want to see the good in the person. And you're trying to, you know, you've seen the good in this person. They're not evil all the time. And so you're not sure. And this is where if you're not sure, reach out to a local program called the National Domestic Violence Hotline, thehotline.org. Go online. You can chat. You can call. You can text. Whatever you need to do to connect with somebody, to talk through it, to think about a safety plan. Because it's real easy for people to say, well, just leave. Yeah. And honestly, if you think about what domestic violence is, domestic violence is about power and control. One person wanting to have full power and control over another person, wanting to be omnipotent, omnipresent. And at the, at the end of the day, you, you, go. you know, when you when you love someone, they can hurt you to your core and you can That's be upset. True. But that doesn't stop the love. The love is still there. And so, you the know, love is still there. And this, but this person wants to fully control you at the point that they feel that they're losing this power and control, which that's all domestic violence is, is power and control. Once they feel that they're losing that, that's when the situations escalate and the homicides occur. So I will encourage everyone to be safe, connect with the program, get a safety plan. There's even safety plans online that you can look at. There's a, a now it's called the My Plan app where you can, it's after the National Network to End Domestic Violence that they've created to help people to plan because everybody's plan is different. So one person's plan might be save money. Another person's plan might be you leave right now with whatever you got on your back and don't right, look back. Right. Everybody's plan is different. And with COVID right now, so that was a big concern um, with people right now in COVID having, and you know, the children and women having to be in that house during the quarantine where you aren't able 
um, to actually leave the leave. house. Yeah, leave. That's not even an option. So, and and I, I also I think there are other varying varying levels where one may not even know they're being abused, or you know they think that mm-hmm. they're they're not sure. Like, oh, he only hits me occasionally, and he only does this because he loves me, or he does this because he's worried. He does this, or you know that 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 sort of thing. So in those instances, what what resources are available for that? You know, a lot of people used to have the outlet to go to work, but uh-huh. once quarantine start, there's no work. Right. There's no um, leaving uh-huh. the house to go shopping. There's no leaving the house to go to loved ones' houses because their house is under quarantine. And um, so in that instance... The struggle is real. Yeah, because domestic, domestic COVID definitely increased the rates of domestic violence. And I, I obviously, I think, you know, because there was no outlet, like you said, there was no escape. And so um, what 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 is one to do during during a pandemic when it so, may have been bad, but now it's got, it's gotten progressively worse? And we can't do the burning bed. And then on top of that, you also have children that are not witnessing it at the rate that they might not have because they were in school. So the children are there, and then the children are also, you know, possibly being abused at a higher rate depending on the situation, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so when COVID first happened, everybody, nobody knew what to do on any level of anything. And so the domestic violence movement as a whole was no exception to that. And so when it first started, there were so many webinars and trainings and people trying to come with solutions and think tanks and consortiums. And, you know, so every individual program just tried to figure out what they could do individually to make it work. People are still trying to figure it out, honestly. And it was just really looking at case by case, individual plans. What can we do to help survivors? So this app came, that I mentioned earlier came came to being like, okay, this is a resource that you could use. You know, you could kind of hide this app in, in your phone. And, um, you know, what what can we do the best that we can do to help survivors? Unfortunately, it, COVID has really, like, made a really bad situation terrible, e- even worse than it ever was, honestly. Right, right. We, we- it's just unfortunate because on a – national level there's so much money that has been taken away from the movement so like in detroit a lot of the programs have closed or downsized detroit only had one shelter to start with um interim house has less than 70 beds for women and children not just for women (laughs) you know so it's easy to say okay you're stuck in a situation with leave where are you gonna go right the shelter is full Yes, there's shelters in the suburbs because people are always like, well, what about this shelter in that suburb? There's shelters in the suburbs. They don't provide transportation, and they're already full from servicing people in their community first. Right, because it's not synonymous to Detroit. It happens everywhere. Well, what are some Correct. early signs that to say you're dating someone or, you know, this is you, you don't have any experience with this, but what are some early warning signs, if you will, of an abuser? I think the earliest thing is to talk to these young, the young people, the boys and the girls. Don't be an abuser and, and what a healthy relationship look like. And it takes us to model healthy relationships for them. Sure. So I think that's the and, primary thing that we need to get together. And I think, so too, and, and I think too, um, Kayla, Naya was more so asking, like, 
when you start a relationship, yeah, the red flags, like um, when you start a relationship, what are things that, you know, you should pay attention to and and kind of a hindsight, like, oh, my God, I knew Mm -hmm. that person was like borderline crazy and I should have. And so there are so many red flags, but some of the red flags look like the person could be caring. So this is where it gets hard sure. to just say, okay, this is a red flag, this is a red flag. So, like, it could be move, the relationship moving way too fast. So you might, you could get caught up in that, like, well, it's nice, this person cares for me, they want to see me all the time, they text me all day, they, you know, taking this time. But that could be a red flag. A definite red flag, this is a definite, definite one, is um, a person who abuses animals. That's that's a that's just a red flag. Yeah, that's a psychopath. Yeah, um, I watch a, a lot of criminal minds. Like there's a direct connection between the two. You know, so of course someone who you know wants to isolate you from your friends and family, controls all the finances. You know, says that you you know change. You should change your whole look and what you look like, uh, how you dress. And so you might say, like, oh, well, this person just care for me. They they want to cover me up. They don't want any, you know, they jealous of other people looking at my body. Those could be, maybe it is somebody who care, but more than likely, you know, these could be also red flags. So it's so many different red flags. Again, everybody's situation different. And that's where if you're in the situation, like, oh, well, that's cute. You know, they call me all the time or they don't, they like, they don't want anybody to call me after 8 p.m. because they want us to have a minute, time. Wait you almost describing, that, yeah, you, you almost describing mm-hmm. me. Hold on, wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> Back up a little bit. <laughs> I'm a domestic violence there over here. Like, no, but but, uh, seriously, like, I I think that, you know, today there are, you know, obviously domestic violence can lead to death. Mm -hmm. But I think there is a huge gray area where people don't know if it's abuse, you know, if, am I being right. abused or, you know, they're trying to understand. Well, I or, think the biggest one to wrap your finger around is the mental and the emotional yes. abuse. Yes. So yes. the hitting, that's obvious. You know, yeah. you, you put yeah. your hands right. on me, you obviously have abused right. me. But the mental and the emotional the abuse, and emotional. that that goes way deeper I almost, it goes you know, so deep. It, yes. How, how does one identify that though? How how do well, you? See, that's thing what? Where you does it? Where does normalcy abuse. leave and abuse kicks in? Because okay, look at it like this: abusers are predators, and so they are like con artists. Who it's not like this stuff happens. You go on the first date and boom, all these red flags. Sometimes it's a red flag on the first date, mm-hmm. and then you typically don't see that person again because you aren't invested. Usually, it's like after a time, after y'all get to go know each other, after after it after it goes on for a while, then now we have now I'm starting to see some stuff that I didn't see before. Mm-hmm. Or at first it was on this level, and now it's starting to escalate to another whole level. Now we're having a real problem. Mm-hmm. Where before it was just, well, maybe it might have been, okay, you know, don't wear skirts that short. Now it's, 
you know, don't wear skirts at all. My whole wardrobe, <laughs> exactly. You're like, wait, how do we get there? Or, you know, I, this person can't call me. This person now, you saying my mama can't call me, my sister can't call me now. Right. You know, wait a minute. You know, at first it might have been okay, my male friends, and now it's everybody. You've isolated me. You're angry that my job called mm-hmm. the house mm-hmm. because it was a male representative of my job that called, and now it's a problem. So you're accusing me unfairly all the time. It's just there are so many signs, so many different things. But usually it's, it happens gradually over time. This is where, you know, the gaslighting and you think you're going crazy. Like, I know I'm not crazy. You know, like, I know that I had, you know, I was able to figure these things out before. You know, you, you make me feel little. You're calling me names. Now I'm second-guessing myself. And so those mental, emotional scars, mm-hmm. those cut the deepest yeah. and that's where you know it doesn't matter sometimes people are like well this was five years ago but you're still in this place that you mm-hmm. can't move from so you still it's still okay to get help yeah so when so once okay so we say now the woman has gone ahead and take that step and made it out and they come to an organization um such as yours safe and what what happens then? Like, because I know it's one of those things, you know, I see all the movies all the time where it's like they're out, but then mm-hmm. for some reason they go back or, you know, now, and I, and I know a lot of it is financial um, because they're like, well, yeah. I can't do it on my own. You know, I, I haven't been the breadwinner all this time, and now... You know, I'm, I'm, who am I going to depend on? You know, so once they get to you, what makes them, besides the drive to say, okay, I don't want to go back and get abused anymore, um, what are those next steps that they kind of go through and how long does that process kind of look like? So if they came to you fresh out um, from the relationship, is that like, mm-hmm. do you put them on like a six month plan? Or how does that actually, that process work? So here's the advantages and not and disadvantages of being a program that is, doesn't get funding. Like, SAFE doesn't get money like that. So it's mm-hmm. truly the love and support of volunteers, volunteers in the community. And so we don't have those kind of restrictions where we're like, oh, well, you got to get out the program in a year. So for some people, it could be, I just need a job. So I can put a down payment on an apartment and get out of here. I just need to save up enough money so I can get a ticket to get on a Greyhound bus to go down south to Grandmama and them house. So everybody's situation might be different on in regards to specifically financial abuse. So financial abuse, you know, where the partner keeps money, withhold money, don't want you to get another job, don't work if you do have work. Your name isn't on the house car. You know, all of these things are financially abusive can be your name isn't on any credit card so you don't have access to any resources financial resources when you try to leave because possibly you've been isolated from your friends and family you don't have people resources so this is just to keep you in this situation so with our program we don't put limits on it we help with a safety plan a regular safety plan as well as a financial safety plan so how how can you you know, put something on your credit report. So 
so they can't mess, continue to mess with your credit or to get stuff off your credit or how do you start a bank account or a first chance account or just all those type of things that you might need to think about how to c- recover financially. Now, recovering financially typically takes longer. So we've worked with clients with like where they're um, where they've had credit identity issues from the partner from their abusive partner, we've literally worked with them for years. Or in situations where the children were taken by Child Protective Services because CPS tried to say that the, um, the victim did not put their child in a bad situation, so the children were taken from them. So they had to work hard and show that they were financially stable as one of the ways to get their children back. And so we worked with that person for a whole lot of years. So some is for years, some is for months, some is just, okay, can you just help me my, my resume and I can take it from there. But my resume looks really bad because I had all these jobs, these different jobs, and I haven't been able to do these things because I was in this long-term situation. So we helped them, not help them, you know, to draft a resume to look them, make them look competitively appealing to employers and then also work with like interviewing skills because if you've been told you're stupid, nobody like you, you're not about nothing, how do you project confidence in an yeah. interview? Yeah, very much so. How do you how do you seek work when you're being stalked? So a suggestion could be, okay, your, your partner know what you look like when you leave the house. If you go into an interview, you know how you know when somebody's looking good or they just go into the laundromat. So we need you to put on your laundromat clothes. Stop somewhere like a McDonald's, change it to your interviewing clothes, and then go on to the interview. Right. So wow. everybody's situation, we're giving you different tips. Everybody's situation is different, and but we're willing to, we're safe, and we work with you through the long haul. Right. Well, well I mean, you, you, you kind of made a, a point that stuck out in my mind about the funding. Why is it that such important work is not being funded? That's a good question. A lot of it has to do with the priorities of the people and certain political positions that they put to women's issues. Right. I'm trying to go political. And, and do, do, do you think, though, perhaps, and I, I don't know your demographics, um, but is it because it's woman and maybe perhaps my majority minority women? Because black women are not protected. We don't have people out here who are advocating for us, who are protecting us, you know, from the world at large, basically. And so oftentimes um, funding for serious issues that do affect us is non-existent. That's true. Although we don't make up the majority of domestic violence cases, but to like earmark specific funding towards uh, like Detroit or the other areas, even in the Virgin Islands, there isn't that like direct funding, but the money the money in general all over the country that's for specifically for domestic violence programs and violence against women programs, I just heard a statistic about it, is less than 0.2% of all the funding that is given to nonprofits is directed specifically towards domestic violence. Wow. Wow. So October is Domestic Violence Awareness Month. Um, yes. What exactly does that mean um, from well, a community standpoint? Well, we wear purple standpoint? ribbons, and it's really just the opportunity to amplify the voices of survivors and victims and to create conversations, to, to get people engaged in the conversation around raising awareness 
and being compassionate towards victims and survivors, that's something, that's my personal mantra is like, you know, you know, stop the victim blaming and, you know, let's start just holding abusers accountable for the abuse. Sure. Let's mm-hmm. do that. Yeah. So we're kind of going to change gears up and, 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 and okay. line it up a little bit here. Um, cause this definitely is a serious topic that I, you know, when talking to you, we've been friends, we started out friends on Facebook, uh, for mm-hmm. years and, and, and it kind of just grew into a, uh, you know, a love relationship for each other, um, both, uh, as both being empowering women, uh, for women and, um, and to hear your story and then, um, to see you now and so tell everyone um, a little bit about, you know, your love uh, as far as, uh, so I kind of know the story because I've been around uh, that that long. But just for our listeners, um, to give them kind of hope just in case they are in that, um, yes. you know, that place to know that there is hope after and love is possible after you've been through a situation. Don't feel like, you know, you is something wrong with you or your your mate picker is wrong or anything like that. It just, you know, it was an unfortunate situation where a predator targeted you. But, you know, we love is possible. So, um I'm doing the work of safe and all this good stuff. My mom passed in 2013, completely devastated in November 2013. January of 2014, I really wasn't in a better headspace. My best friend said, let's go on a trip. And I said, okay, we could go to like Vegas or something. She was like, no, I'm talking about a real vacation. Ten days later, we were in St. <laughs> Thomas, U.S. Virgin Islands. The day that we landed, I met my husband-to-be, Paul Foy. And um, never, it just completely, you know, Changed my world upside down. Would have never, ever imagined a million years. That was January. That March, he mailed me an engagement ring. And we had a long-distance relationship, really good. Uh, We got married in August 2015. And then I moved to St. Thomas on our one-year anniversary, which was August 2016. And uh, my youngest daughter came down with us. She started high school here. She graduated from high school here. And um, so we've been here like over four years now. And um, my oldest daughter, she lives with her husband in Ohio. I have a two-year-old granddaughter, grandson, Alpha. I'm so happy. You know, just it's just happy. You know, today is actually Paul's birthday. So we haven't doing a whole turn-up situation. I've been working all day, but we're going to go to lunch. And I just bought him a really nice. Uh, really, really nice gift, actually, from the jeweler here. <laughs> and we're going to put on that outfit and um, do one of them Beyonce. Oh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I, I already got on the prequel dress right now. Okay. All right. <laughs> I, got, I got the after party fit hanging up. <laughs> that, look, that, that's it right there. See, so that's, that's, that's going to be game over. Yes, at at the end of dinner (laughs) so leading into that as you know the name of the podcast is love sex business so we've taken care of the business so now it's time to dive into love and sex and here in the studio which you can't see right now 
We have a bowl filled with different questions about love, sex, and relationships. And if you were here, you would actually get to pick out three questions and you would get to, you know, pick the easiest question for yourself <laughs> and then okay, okay. give me and Naya a question. But since you're not here, um, I'm at the mercy of your question. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, so the viewers can see I'm going to go ahead and shake up and you can hear it kind of twirling around in here. So I'm going to just grab three. So that's one, two, and see, normally I'm, I'm liking that you're on Zoom because I normally get stuck with the hard questions. She does. She does. <laughs> so <laughs> this will be my opportunity <laughs> to pass it on to you. <laughs> yes. Well, uh, well, no, I'm going to pass it to Naya. Oh, goodness. (laughs) I I get the hard ones, too. (laughs) And then we'll we'll give you an easy one. We'll see. I don't know. We'll see. Okay. All right. I'm going to get this one to you, Naya. Well, wait a minute. She's passing me. Let me look at the Something dangerous. Okay. So... Well, you kind of answered this question, so I'll take this this one. No, I'm going to give this one to you. Here we go, everybody. Uh-oh, uh-oh. And then... <laughs> <laughs> so she's laughing at her oh, question. Oh, goodness. And then I'm doing any, mini, miny, mo on yours. <laughs> okay, so I'll take this one, and then... Okay, you ready for your question? I'm ready. I'm ready. It's super easy because you actually just went through all of this. So, um, it's the, who's in your life? Are you married? And any kids? Oh, that was easy. <laughs> <laughs> His name is Paul Foy, and we've been married for five years. I have two kids and a grandkid and a son-in-law. And um, what was the other part to it? That was it. Oh, okay, okay. So you got you got love. Oh well, you know what? She she, say she's volunteering. Give her another one. Give her another one. (laughs) We love those volunteer people. (laughs) 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 Oh, okay, okay. Mm -hmm. Here it is. How important is sex in a relationship and/or marriage, in your opinion? I think it's very important, actually. Um, and even like, even if you aren't like older, even if you're like a senior citizen or if you have like a physical or some kind of challenge, I think physical touch and connection and intimacy is really the important part Mm -hmm. is coming together and, you know, just catering to one another in whatever way that you can and whatever way you have a capacity to is important. And so I'm just happy right now we had a capacity in our four years of marriage. <laughs> <laughs> Stella got her groove back. <laughs> hey, hey. All right, Naya. All right. So my question is, and I've been kind of pondering this for a moment since I received it. Uh, given the choice of anyone in the world, who would you want to have sex with? Um... I don't even know. I guess I have a couple a couple celebrity crushes. 
Um, Jeezy. No, I'm not attracted to him physically. I just love his music and his artistry. Uh, so who am I? I guess Idris Elba would be on my list. We're going to have to share. Yeah, we can share. <laughs> Idris Elba would definitely be on my list. He's sexy. He's European. He's tall. I like tall, dark, and chocolate. So, and he's smart. So that's important to me as well. So that that that's my choice. Okay. Um... I still got stuck with the hard question. There you go. I should have just answered that one because Idris Elba would have been probably my choice also. Okay, so my question is, do I have a type? I ain't got no type. <laughs> <laughs> Let's um, hear this. <laughs> a type. Um, tall. Um, sophisticated. They have to have swag. I I need I I need swag. So I think that would be my my type is sophisticated, smart, and swag, and nice teeth. Teeth are very important. Very important. Teeth are very so important. All you men with raggedy teeth out there, get them fixed. Get them fixed. It's veneers. It. It's Invisalign. Like Invisalign. No line, I mean, whatever. The dentist. <laughs> Orthodontist. All of them. <laughs> All of the S's. <laughs> Please schedule your appointment today. <laughs> now for a commercial. Please schedule your dentist appointment. We are 24 hours a day. Thing though. Anyway. Um, and have all your mates been similar in some way? Uh-huh. I, Caveat. I, yeah. I will kind of say yes to that only because I'm a brat. Yes, she is. So I would think that all my people kind of deal well with brats. So I think they may have went through brat training or something like that, <laughs> like in their previous life before me. And uh, and then they're just like, okay. Um, so those are our questions. And um, so, Kaylin, do you have what's what's coming up? What do you have? How do people find you? How do people get in touch and donate to say? Oh, yes. Donate. So go on our Facebook page, um, Facebook slash New Safe Start and Sisters Acquiring Financial Empowerment. You can check out our website at www.newsafestart.org. O-R-G-S-N-E-W-S-A-F-E-S-T-A-R-T. You could call me at 800-757-4919. And um, look out for my autobiography. I'm writing a memoir of my story. It's going to have a lot of good information, a lot of juicy behind the scenes. I've been telling my story for 10 years, but it's still so much that, you know, I can't tell in forums like this. I have to condense it down. So sure. mm-hmm. tell my story, even how I, you know, started this organ, a very small organization in Detroit that I had the opportunity to speak on a national, international level several times and, you know, had huge community events and then even how I ended up in the Virgin Islands. So it's going to be some good stuff. Make sure you look out for my we, book. We look forward and, to and that. And I'm, I'm also planning a couple of retreats in conjunction with my book signing. So it'll be a girls getaway retreat down here to the U.S. Virgin Islands. And I'm also planning a retreat to Detroit 
you'd be surprised how many people in the Virgin Islands are interested in coming up to Detroit and seeing what that's all about. They had a ball at my wedding. I'm so. sure. De- Detroit's a great city. And Detroit's may- a great city. Oh, yeah. Make sure when you and get look here. Like you- I show my Detroit is Yes. <laughs> What's popping? And make sure when you bring them, you, you take them by. Uh, Naya has a restaurant, Ivy Kitchen and Cocktails. And my day spa is actually right upstairs from her. And uh, we're both we'll open. Do. Absolutely. And um, to those that memoir, I see a movie. Like, yes, ma'am. Speak it, speak <laughs> yes. it, speak it. I'm so, telling you. Yes. So I, I think that's a a really good movie and a really interesting and um yeah. that that you know should be could be your next journey after that also. And Caitlin, we would love for you to come back uh once you have your book ready to talk about it and to promote it and, and just spread the love and the positive vibes. Uh so you can Thank share the story you. on our show again that. regarding your book. Thank you so much. All right. I appreciate you. We appreciate you, and thank you for taking the time. Uh, Go ahead and uh, take that freakum dress and um, get busy. (laughs) (laughs) You all have a good day. You too. Bye-bye. Bye. 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 Bye.